Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and back by demand, second time on TLOP, repeat offender, he's my friend, he's the man, he's the myth, he's the legend, in 30 minutes or less, he is going to make all of us better public speakers, he's the one, he's the only, from Raleigh, North Carolina, Steve Richmond. Steve, welcome to TLOP, man. Boom, baby. I like how you say back by demand. It wasn't popular demand. I demanded to come back. Nobody wanted me back, but it's back by uh, my own demand. Tomato, tomato. There you go. I like how you picked on that. So many other people would have been like, oh, man, that dude's in demand. And Steve's like, nah, I demanded it. Dude, I I listen. See, and that's the big thing about communication. Those little qualifying words that are sitting out there like, I pretty much don't think I can. Wait then you might be, you're saying there's a chance, baby. That's what that's all about. You're saying there's a chance. What are the odds of a, of a guy like me getting with a girl like you? You? Zero. But, <laughs> I mean, but dumb and dumber. You, you I, can't get better than Jim Carrey. I love it. And here we are. We are um, we're still at Inbag, right? So the last episode, we had our girl Maggie Reams on. Maggie represents Black Knight. We're still rocking Black Knight. You want to know why we're rocking Black Knight? Good people. They are good people, but honestly, because they paid to be here. And if you pay to be here, we do not mind sharing the love. We are at Inbag Live. That's Mortgage Bankers Association of Georgia. Steve was brought in to speak. You spoke today. You brought down the house. Hour and a half, 90 minutes, sitting right there, full crowd, right out in front of us, yeah. rocking and rolling. JC and I were brought in here under literally one thing. Could you please podcast from our conference and talk about how great it is. And little did they know, I've been wanting to come to this conference for like a decade. So I got a free hotel room just to show up and podcast with friends like you and with like Maggie. I I tell you, and I believe it, and I said it today, one of the great things and the important things that we need to do, and I know we're going to talk to three C's in a little bit, but I'll, I'll even throw that fourth C out there. You got to connect. Connection, connection, connection. It is, in today's world, it's just so important. And it was amazing to watch everybody sitting at the tables going, I haven't seen you in so long. What are you hearing? Best practices were shared. I'm a big believer in these conferences. Yep. No, I'm a huge fan. And anyone who's tuned in the show, like you hear me advocating on behalf of, of all trade organizations. Like this is a mortgage bankers association, but I don't care what your trade group is. Be involved, attend the conferences. And sometimes the best time is spent from 4 p.m. to 11 p.m. It's not spent necessarily in the conference, not saying there aren't great speakers like, like you, but I will know from experience, it's like, look, I, I spent eight hours in the bar at dinners, sometimes two dinners after parties, and that's where I get to meet the most people, make the best connections, and learn the most as well as share the most, right? Loose lips, sink ships. But you also say it one other way. Everybody, so less people are going into the office anymore. So we have less of an opportunity to connect. And especially if you're younger in an industry, you got to start meeting other people. You need to know other people. And that face-to-face interaction, critical. Correct. And nothing will replace it. So let's jump right into today because I want to take full advantage of having you here. Um, I loved what you've been doing with your career. Like most people who met you, Steve was the MI guy for like 25 years. He's with GE, now in ACT, mortgage insurance. He's an attorney by trade, public speaker by design. Uh, DJ back in college, right? So do not tempt to go and do some kind of a like um, 
You want some uh, 80s trivia? trivia I'm tri- your guy. Correct. I'm yes. your guy. Yes. Don't don't try to battle Steve with some kind of a uh, name that tune or 80s trivia. Right, can I just say we're, we're sitting here at the conference today and the speaker was one of these. Um, he, he was an economist. Very good. And he said something to describe today's economy. There's a song. I can't think of what it is. It's you got to go through hell to get to heaven. I'm like, oh, Steve Miller band, big old jet airliner. OK, <laughs> let's just say what it is and let's put it out there. So oh, that's so awesome. Um, yes. So don't whatever you do, unless you're going to want to go win trivia, you don't want to battle <laughs> Steve. You want him on your team. But no, why I want you on is because for the past year, you've really been dedicating yourself to opening up to all audiences and something that you're really good at is public speaking. Right. It is commanding an audience and, and commanding a fee for your time. And there's a lot that people like me and others can learn from you. So my hope today is to put a spotlight on you while you also give away some freebies to our audience, to our T-loppers, because most people, I would guess, besides dying, their biggest fear is probably standing on a stage and speaking, whether it's a stage of five or a stage of 5,000. And I'm sure along the lines, you have some best practices that you could share with them. So I thought, well, hey, you're going to be in the same city. I'm going to be in the same city. Let's go ahead and dedicate a half an hour of sitting together, shooting shit. Let's do it. But let's also give back to the audience on how they can become better public speakers. Right. You called this the three C's. Yes. And I said, which three C's are we talking about? And you said? Communication, comfort, and content. Communication, comfort, and content. Those are the three C's. If you can dominate those three C's, whether your presentation is 15 minutes or an hour and 15 minutes, dominate those three C's. Uh, 15 so, minutes, 30 seconds. Wow. Doesn't matter. Okay. It's to be able, look, what's the goal of communication? Uh, to share a story in a manner that someone remembers it and they do what I want them to do. Whether that's laugh, whether that's take action, whether that's cry, I just want to be able to share a story and have someone remember me. Okay. Your goal is to remember you. I think you're wrong, and I'm on your podcast, and I'm going to call you out, my man, right now. That's it, JC, calling them out. It ain't going to happen. So most people say communication is to get your message out there. I think it's to get your message out there and to have that person who receives the message interpret in the manner in which you meant it to be interpreted. So when you said, I want to be remembered, I got your story, and man, I think that guy's a jerk. He's a total idiot. That's really not what you were going for. I do remember you, but not positively. So what you really want to go do is get your message out there, but have them interpret that message in the manner in which you meant them to interpret it. Wow. Mind blown. And you're correct. You are right. See, I listen to the words that you're saying. So now we're going, you're going to be, I remember that now. So yeah. now you remember it and you make it positive. Um, how do I learn that lesson? I'm sarcastic. And I can't tell you, I used to work with a woman. I won't mention her name. And she would say to me, you know, I got an issue with you. I said, obviously, because I don't think we get along. I actually, I called her out. I said, I don't think you love me. She goes, I don't. She said, I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or if you're being serious. And my response was, if it was funny, it was sarcastic. And if it was a good point, I was being serious. Now, that didn't warm me up to her at all <laughs> when I said laugh. that. You right? Because to me, I'm like, hey, that, that makes sense. But then I realized she totally missed. She, she remembers me. She received the message, but she doesn't interpret it the way that I was wanting to her interpret it. And that's when I said, I got to change some of the things that I'm doing because I need to come across 
in a certain manner so that I deliver it to get her to do the action if it is just to like me, work with me, or whatever. Wow. So it's like in a manner, if I'm a public speaker, which at any time you're in front of an audience, that's what you are. Whether you want to call yourself that or not, that's what you're doing, right? You're and it speaking doesn't, in public. And you're, and you're tweeting in public, and you're Facebooking and LinkedIn in public. It's all public communication. So I need to be cognizant of who my audience is, almost like a disc personality profile that's very difficult to do for an entire audience, especially when I don't know how big or small my audience is and what they're into. That's a whole nother podcast if you want to go down disking. But the, the easy answer to what you just said is, and that's where you start to get the content. What is it important for them to know? It's not what do I want to tell them. It's what's it. The reason I'm saying this is because this is important for you to know. This is important for you, the audience, to know. It's not about what I want to tell you. It's about what you want to hear, what you need to know. And if you're the one who's delivering something for somebody that they need to know this, it's going to help them. It's going to make them better at anything. Or maybe it's just going to make them smile. Whatever it is, there's a benefit to them. What's there to be nervous about? Do you find sometimes that you have to tell them the why? Like, I'm going to tell you this, and here's why it's important. Or should I be so good that I don't have to tell them why because they picked up the why in my, in my message? No, you gotta, sometimes you got to tell them the why, especially if you have a large group. Because let's say you have 100 people sitting in front of you. You have 100 different whys of why they're sitting in front of you. So you have to say, hey, you might be thinking about A, but the reason you need this is because of B. Right. They're all sitting there. I'm waiting for an answer to this question. OK, we might get there. But right now, this is what you need to hear. And this is why. So that's the first C. No, that's the, that's content. That's the second C. The first C is communication. What's the purpose of communication? There's seven elements to that. And we can throw that out. Let's there, go. Man. There's seven elements to communicating. You have a message for them. How you deliver that message. So what you message them delivery is going to affect how they interpret that message. If you have goals in common, then you can even take a negative message and make it positive. That's all seven. Okay. What are the seven words? You. You. Message. Them. Delivery. Interpretation. Goal. Positive. Outcome. Positive outcome. It's two words. You said seven words. It's positive outcome. I'm, I'm phrasing it up, baby. You know, we'll put a hyphen in between okay, positive okay. and outcome, and to me, it makes it one word. There you go. Now, my English teacher wife may come behind me and be like, you can't do that. No, 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 no. Okay, well, whatever. It's seven. Steve said it's seven. We're sticking with seven. Yes. Okay, so the communication, then the content. Right. Tips, tricks regarding content. Like, you're, you're helping me. You're coaching me. I just hired you to coach me, and I have to... Right now, Steve, I just have to stand up in front of a local trade organization and my company's sponsored. And as a sponsor, I can speak for 90 seconds. What are some do's and don'ts? How do I prepare for this? How do I not get so nervous that I just make a fool out of myself? See, what you just did, though, and I'm listening to you, you just said, tell me about content. And then you talked about comfort, saying, how do I get comfortable talking from them and not make a fool of myself? So you flipped over to comfort. Go back to content. Okay. If you got to talk for 90 seconds in front of a group, what did I just say? You the thing between you and them is what? That's goals. What are your goals in those 90 seconds? And what is your audience goals in 90 seconds? So if you know what their goals are and you want to be looked at as the subject matter expert, how, what do you need to say that is going to give them what they need to meet their goals and make me look good? That's all the content. So that I have I to need. first know my audience. Absolutely. Like I have to know my audience because my audience more than likely is not there to hear about my new technology. 
my audience right there probably isn't here to hear about my service. That's not why they showed up. I'm a sponsor. So you're saying if I'm going to give a message, I have to cut down beneath the core and get down to why they're here. And maybe they're not here for me at all. I hate it. It's W-I-I-F-M. What's in it for me? Every time I talk to somebody, I'm like, what, what, what can I deliver to you? I, it's not about me. It's not about what I want to say. What's in it for you? Yeah. So if I'm a mortgage loan originator and I had this awesome, cool app and I'm giving 90 seconds to speak and the, the room is 100 realtors, I probably should not talk about my awesome, cool app because that's not what's in it for them. What's in it for them right now is I have a way to get your offer accepted when you're, when you're tired of losing offers. Possibly. I don't know. But like I'm, I'm trying to spitball this with you because I, I sit back either as the speaker himself or as an audience member. And I watch people come up on stage and you ask me what's in it for me as the audience member. I want them on and off that stage as quick as possible because I showed up and gave an hour of my day. I want to hear what I came for. I, didn't, I don't want to come for the speakers. Like I, I don't want to come for the sponsors. So you're sitting up there. You're an LO. You're a lender. Whatever. Yeah. Right? You got a hundred people. I don't care if they're real estate agents. I don't care if there are other LOs in the audience. What do you do? Hey, other LOs, here's the thing. Other realtors, I know what your goal is. Your goal is to get customers. Let me tell you something. You know what your customers want? Let me tell you what they want. They want an app that's going to make their life easier. If this app makes your customers' life easier, have I just accomplished your goals and your customers' goals at the same time? Boom. Here's the app. Have a nice day. 15 seconds. I'm done. I love that. So where I wanted to come off of the app thinking nobody came here to hear about my app, you found a way to make that app worth their time because you told them what's in it for or them. Or I don't even talk about my app half the time. I will sit there and I'll stand there and I'll say, okay, you want to know what a really cool, I, I tell this all the time. I say, and I did this this morning, raise your hand, audience, raise your hand. How many of you have dogs? Boom. How many of you like your dogs better than anybody else in your house? Boom. What you should do is every single month go to Google and type in top apps for home for dog owners and for pet owners. Boom, you get a list of 15 apps. Now, what do you have? You have 15 pieces of content to go share with somebody else. You're done. I love that. It's, okay. It's that easy. Yeah. What, what are people's biggest fear, do you think, when it comes to public speaking? Like, what, what is it that's the, the science behind it all? How does someone like you overcome it? What's something they could do to be more like you? Two different things. The biggest fear, I believe, is judgment. You're, you're, you're so focused on, you're thinking that everybody out there in the audience is looking at you and is judging you and saying, oh, is that person smart? Oh, I'm waiting for that person to mess up. Oh, they're stupid. Oh, I've never used that person. You're putting so much pressure on the situation that they're not judging you. The people in the audience are really doing two things. Thing number one, thank God I'm not the person up on the stage. And thing number two, oh, maybe I can learn something. All of a sudden, when you say, hey, this isn't about me, this is about you, the audience, it changes that entire dynamic in your own brain. But when you're sitting up here saying, it's all about me, and they're judging me, and they want to see how good I am, right? So go, I know you're a sports guy. You're sitting there, you're baseball. You're doing what? You're, you're up on, at bat. It's you versus the pitcher. You're either going to hit the ball or not hit the ball. Your, your batting average is going to be X percent. This, it's all judgment on you on how you succeed at that plate. When I'm up on stage, I'm saying, no one's judging me. They're hoping I give them something. They, they're there for a reason. They actually walked into the room to listen to me. So they want something. So if I have something good to deliver to them, there's no judgment whatsoever. Now, how do you get comfortable doing that? One, and I tell you, I'm looking in the camera. 
I get nervous every time before I speak. I get nervous every time before I speak. I think that's good. That shows that I'm fully committed to what I'm doing. So instead of saying, oh my God, I'm nervous. This is really bad. I go, oh my God, this is, I'm nervous. My system's doing what? My heart's beating, which is giving me more blood. I'm breathing a little heavier, which is getting more oxygen, which is sending it over to my brain, which makes me prepared and ready to go deliver that message. So nervousness is good. And I'm high, look at me. I can't even stop with my hands. I'm speaking really fast. Why? I'm an energy guy. So I take all that nervous energy and the word that is always used about me as a speaker is, you know, your energy, your, your enthusiasm, it's very infectious or it's very contagious. And I take all of that nervous energy and I throw it out there to them and now we energize the entire group. How much of that do you think is a natural born gift or a talent? Out of uh, curiosity, there's some people that, man, they were just born to present. They were born to speak in front of public and others, it's like... Hope you got some hours to put in some work. It's like any skill. I can get any speaker out there to be good. To excel at it, you need some natural talent. I can go out, Malcolm Gladwell, I can shoot basketball for 10,000 hours and I'm, 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 I'm good at it, but I'm never going to be Michael Jordan. So with any skill that you do, I'm sorry, LeBron, for those of you that think LeBron's the joke, the goat, but it's actually Jordan. Just get it's over Jordan. yourself. It's, it's Jordan. Jordan. I, we don't yeah. even need to sit down. It's Jordan. So you, you can, so any skill, any skill, you can get to a good level, but to excel at it, then you need the natural talent on top of it. And are we starting with the three C's? And if we are, do we start in order of the three C's? Like, like, do you, do you start with? content first or do you start with start with communication because you got to understand what your purpose is okay and then once you understand what your purpose is then I go into comfort how do I get your comfort and then what do you need to deliver because it's very easy to figure out the things that you need to deliver the thing you need to work on is your comfort now I say this all the time the number one rule of public speaking you got to be yourself everybody's like oh Steve man so so tell me how should I be a public speaker should I start with a joke not if you're not funny you know you gotta be a you have to know who you are so I like to talk about Doug Duncan now see I'll talk about you you and me are the same kind of a speaker you're you're an energy you're more authoritative than I am I'm more self-deprecating because you love yourself more than I love myself that's okay so when we go out and we do that this is just who I am. Doug Duncan, who's the chief economist for Fannie Mae, I was at a conference with him two weeks ago. He talks like this. He's very quiet. And I hang on every word that he says because he still delivers it as himself. He knows what he's talking about and he's comfortable being in front of that crowd. So you, if you ever use a coach or anything like that, you don't do exactly what they tell you to do. You take bits and pieces and elements, best practices, and then you adapt those into your own that makes you the best you that you can be. Doug Duncan, by the way, big baseball fan and a great dude to sit at a bar with and have a beer. Doug Duncan is a great dude to sit at a bar with and have a beer, but I'll take it one step further. If you really want to get on his good side, have a cup of milk with him. No way. Yeah, he's from Wisconsin, from a dairy, uh, uh, Minnesota. From a, he's a dairy farm. His family grew up on a dairy farm, so he loves his milk. Very milk. interesting. Has to be whole milk. Got, Can't be any of that skim. Boom. We, we were at a conference once. We were sitting there, and they're like, would you like tea or would you like water? He goes, I'd like a glass of milk. I'm like, good for you, baby. Yeah. So, yeah, D Doug's a milk guy. Yeah, no, I had a, a really cool experience. And this is one of those uh, sidebar. I didn't know Doug, but I wanted to know Doug. So you know what you do when you want to know someone? You walk up to him, sit next to him, introduce yourself. It's that easy. Wait, that's public speaking, dude. 
What you just did is you said communication. I have a goal. I have a message to get out there. I'm going to get my message to introduce myself to him so that I what? So that I know him and I can learn information from him. Communication. So comfortably speaking, I had to work up the confidence to be able to walk up and stick out my hand and say, hello, my name's Dustin. I'd like to have a conversation with you. And then you did what? You were smart enough to say the content is going to come from him, but I know what questions I want to ask him, so I already know what my content is. Boom, you did it. You just took the three C's and you adapted them and made them yourself. In that I love right how you there. did that. You went through another wrinkle into this uh, formula. I had to do it twice because the first year I swung and missed. I swung and missed. I tried to get my way over. I saw where he was sitting, tried to get up there, you know, kind of coy. And the minute I slid in to sit down, he slid out and went to his room for the I'm night. Sorry. And I was like, oh, man, I missed my opportunity. But the next year, I didn't miss the opportunity. I got to the bar two hours earlier. I'm just laughing. Dustin Owen and Coy. Those are two things that are not often said in the same Wait, sentence. Have you ever, that, right, have you ever seen an unathletic six foot two, 200 pound pasty pill bald guy I'm try, looking to, him. try to tiptoe around? <laughs> try to tiptoe around. I do it so gracefully, Steve. I don't know what you're watching, but you're obviously not watching this show. No, so, so to a certain extent, um, you're telling people what I tell my kid, which is do you, homie? Like, literally, do you? because we love you, because that's who you are. That's where you're comfortable. Don't try to do me, don't try to do mom, don't try to do Uncle Steve. Like literally do you. Doesn't mean you can't pull from mom or pull from me or pull from Steve, but quit trying to be something you're not. Because if you're who you are, you're authentic. And if you're authentic, more than likely people are gonna pick up on that and just engage with you or like you. So we're back to the, the, the second C, which is comfort. Okay. So what do we say about comfort? You say pull from, I say pull from Pee Wee Herman. Good old Pee Wee Herman, baby. What's he yeah. say when he falls off the bicycle? What does he say? He hops right back up. He goes, ah, I meant to do that. Oh, my Folks, gosh. You're going to make mistakes. You didn't see Doug. Okay. I Embrace yeah. the failure. It's not a bit. Everybody goes, oh, my God, my communication. I failed at that. Shh, I'm shrinking violet. You don't need to be a shrinking violet. You embrace that failure. You learn from the failure. Move on. I've stumbled on my words six times already during this thing. And you're saying, oh, you're an expert at speaking. Guess what? I've messed up. I just messed up words, right? I said muffled or messed up. Didn't know where to go. It's okay. Nobody cares. Well, and the whole time you're speaking, all I'm singing in my head is connect the dots. La, 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 la. I can't do a Pee Wee Herman impression, but that's what I'm thinking. Um, by the way, love the Pee Wee Herman. Not only just the reference, but how true is that? Huh? I meant to do that. Like, yes. How do you, I mean, we're back you... to, we're, we're back to that judgment thing. Oh, the, I fell off my bike. Everybody's looking at me and judging me. I meant to do that. Ha ha. I win. Move on. Yeah. How about this? And Steve, you and I know this from, from sharing stages together and, and standing on stage. Most people are more petrified to stand on the stage that you're standing on that they're not judging because the last thing they ever want is to judge. And then if Steve and I are in the crowd, we're probably not even judging because we're trying to pick up something so we can swipe and adapt it. So we're actually looking at you with a lens of positivity because I'm looking for what's that one thing he or she just did that I want to incorporate. Right. I'm not sitting there saying, oh, let me judge and see how many ums or uhs or rights or clutch words this person uses. What are they doing with their hands? What type of eye contact are they making? Do they do enough pauses? What's their voice inflection? Those of us that do this somewhat for a living, we're not even doing it to judge you negatively. We're literally trying to swipe and adapt from you. And then everyone else is so impressed that you're up there and they're grateful that they're not up there. To me, I'd psych myself up to get comfortable. If I was struggling to come with comfort, that's how I'd psych myself out. Well, 
You can do breathing exercises, a great breathing exercise to do. You, what do you do? You have a longer exhale than you have for the inhale, and that changes certain things within your system. We did that the other day. That, that, that's not important, but go back to kindergarten for a second. I'm actually just practicing hitting the water bong right now, but it's okay. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, and you're probably ignoring me too, but you know, go back to- I still have the Pee Wee Herman thing stuck <laughs> in my head. Yeah. Oh, we're going tequila so, now, yeah, I love not? it. So go back to kindergarten. Every single person who's listening right now at some point has been in kindergarten and we were all taught the same thing in kindergarten. What is it? When you have a guest speaker, I want you on your best behavior. So the minute that you sit in front of a group, what are they doing? If you're a stand-up comic, they're drinking and they're there to heckle you. But if you're not a stand-up comic, these people are not there to heckle you. They're all on their best behavior and they'll all end up saying, hey, I'm going to give that guy or that gal you know, a break. Have you ever tried stand-up comedy? No. Curiosity? No. Would you? Yeah. I think I would like to. I think it would be scary as shit. For, I mean, I would, be, I would be petrified. If you want to stand on stage and take questions from, from sales professionals, business professionals, mortgage professionals, I'll stand up for two or three hours. Give me a whiteboard. Give me a pen. Give me a mic. I'm good to go. I would love to do a three-minute stand-up set. Um, two things I think would happen. Uh, a, my wife wouldn't talk to me for about three days because she wouldn't like half of the jokes that I tell. And B, um, it'd be the most nervous I have been probably my whole entire life, except for on my wedding day, right? Th- those would be the two times of my life where I was like, wow, am I really scared? All right. Can, can we diverge yes. here for a second? You ever, and, and this is great. By the way, when you do that, you want to get public speaking? Think about what are the funny things that I could say if I could do stand-up comedy. Have you ever seen Kill Tony no. on, on YouTube? Uh-uh. So go to YouTube. Okay. It's, it, it's it's R-rated, so yeah, I don't want anybody watching. Oh, my God, he told me to do that. It's produced by Joe Rogan, oh, nice. who you love. Yes. And he, he's got a comedian named Tony who he does this with. And what they do is they bring in two or three comedians every week, so, and they sit on a panel, and then the entire bar is loaded with people who say, I'd like to do one minute of stand-up comedy. And they reach in, and they pull out a person's name, and they go, come up to the stage, uninterrupted, you have one minute, go, and then we're going to critique you. And it is mind blowing to so watch. So these are this comedians show. that have no, no, no. These are five people, or seven jokes in their back pocket. Not that even they're comedians. They're people like, oh my god, you're so funny. You should go try this. So somebody says, hey, I think I like to try this. Let's see what happens. So they go, we'll give you an open mic for one minute in front of professional comedians, and we'll tell you what we think of you, and we're going to be honest. Yeah. And you can see some people are really good, and some people really aren't good. So um, the three C's are to me clutch, right? That's that is foundational. I love three because three is easy to count to, right? People can write that down from listening to this episode. They can go back and rewatch this episode even at 2x speed, and they'll be able to jot down the notes. Right. What are two or three other just best practices, right? You're coaching someone who has hired you to be like, Steve, help me become better at this. What are, what are some of the things that you're walking them through as they, even if it's a mental preparation, so that they get comfortable, or it could be no. things on how to eliminate clutch words. Clutch words are, you know, right. Um, how do I get those out of my speech pattern? A couple of things you just said there. First thing, to, what do you do? Be prepared and practice. If you're going to be going up there, you got to be prepared. You got to practice. That's just the way that it is. If you are prepared and if you practice, guess what you're doing? You're eliminating your ums, your likes, and your, your notes. Because, okay, I know what I'm supposed to say. I have a rhythm to it. I'm good at it. 
You don't practice, okay, I want to put my um here, um here, and um here. So that's how it gets rid of it if you get prepared and you practice. Another great way, embrace, I said embrace the failure, you know, I meant to do that. Embrace silence. It's okay to be quiet for a second. It feels like hours to you, but to them out there, you're just taking a pause, you're taking a breath, it's a-okay. Get, stop talking, get comfortable with the silence. Now you can talk. There you go. You're about to say something. I love it. I just read a book that a podcast listener had sent me because I know I like to read. And by the way, don't need any books because I just started a 1,200-page book about Lyndon B. Johnson. Um, That was recommended to me by a DC lobbyist, so I'm looking forward to reading that. But it's going to take me like four months to get through it. But it was um, Stand Like Lincoln, Speak Like Churchill. And one of the tactics it actually taught to public presenters is that 10 seconds of silence to actually start your presentation, stand on front of that stage and be silent, command the audience to all look at you before you then speak. And at that point, you have to have a pretty decent delivery line. But to many of us, 10 seconds sounds feels like 10 years, and it can be deadly. What you're saying is get comfortable with it. When I used to teach negotiations with the Shapira Negotiation Institute, that was one of the big things, not just for public speaking, but that was a big thing that you would say in negotiations. You don't have to respond immediately to what somebody says. Let it sit out there for a minute. And you know what ends up happening? They're more uncomfortable with the silence, so what do they do? They fill it up. They start revealing more information, and you start gathering it. Silence can be golden. You mentioned practice, right? And that's anything, right? You're going to become a better triathlete, practice. You're going to be a better golfer, practice. You're going to become a better poker player, practice. You'll be a better parent, practice. Alan Iverson. Well, except for Alan Iverson. <laughs> practice? What about practice? But how do you practice, Steve? Like, what, what's your favorite way to practice or prepare? I, first off, get rid of the, boredom is okay. Quiet is okay. Oh, I got to have the music on and I got the TV on. No, go for quiet. It's going to be okay. And that's how you practice. I'm not an out loud practicer. But I've interpreted just, I've had just about every conversation I've ever had in my head prior to actually having that conversation. This thing is just, it is going, how do I want to say this? What am I going to say? And I often, during my practice, not only, okay, I want to say this, I want to say this, I want to say this. I will then try and think of what are the hardest questions that somebody could ask me? Because that's how I get nervous. What happens if I look stupid because I don't know the answer to the question? I know, oh, you can just say, I'm not sure, and I'll call you back. Yeah, but it still feels like I'm the expert on stage. I should know this. So I always try and think of what is the hardest question that is out there. Earlier, and that way, if I know that, I'm good. Early in my career, I did what I called the dining table routine. And I, I, sometimes I will still do it. When I'm, especially when I'm creating something for the first time. I just take sticky notes, and if there's four points that I have, I'll put it on my dining room table. I'll put one here, one there, one there, one there. Here's point number one. I say, okay, here's point number one. What do I want to say about that? Oh, I'm going to tell the story about when my brother was a kid and da-da-da-da-da-da. So now I have my story right there, and I'm telling that story, and then I start walking around the table and telling that story and knowing when I'm going to finish, which takes me to what? Now I'm at point two, and I'm standing there, and then I can look at that. And then I can take notes on it because it's the sticky. And so I have it all. I used to do that when I did jury trials. When I would prepare for my opening and closing arguments, I would have all my notes around 
a dining room table and I would just pace around the table because I knew I was going to walk around the courtroom and it was just sitting right there and there's my whole story and I could just look down and I see the one word and I know the story I'm going to say and I see that and boom, boom, boom. That's how I practice is I do it by dining room table. And that's why you are the featured guest. You're the Shmi today. Because if you would ask me that, I'm going to tell you the lawnmower, the swimming pool, and a nice drive to the beach, mountains, or lake, wherever you go on the weekends to get away. For me, I do my best thinking while I'm mowing the grass. You said something different. Stop. What? That's creation. That's not practice. See, what happens is when you, I, I, do, I create my stuff when I drive. Okay. Why? Because I'm bored and my daughter will say to me, Dad, you just drove by where we're supposed to go. I know because I'm thinking about what am I creating. Once I know what I want to create, and then I create it, and then I practice it. That's when I move it to the dining room table. So You did creation. You asked okay. about practice. Yeah, so then I create in the swimming pool. Yes. Right, because swimming laps for 55 minutes, and I don't wear any earphones when I swim. It's Manoush Zimarati. Is Manu that Latin? Manoush Zimarati, she's a brilliant woman. She does a TED Talk, and she says, embrace boredom. Mowing your lawn is boring. Swimming is boring. Because, but if you keep looking at your phone and you say, oh, there's a cat playing piano, now I'm gonna, you're distracted. If you allow your brain to become bored, it does what? It goes into creative mode and it solves difficult problems for you. So then my practice, truth be told, is on John Coleman. My practice is on Kevin Murphy. My practice is on... So you're saying John's a dining room table. He, he's basically a dining room table. John's a fantastic listener because he has a way of totally ignoring me without making me feel ignored. And he's actually onboarding two of our newer associates right now. And he'll tell them, hey, by the way, a lot of Dio's material gets practiced on us. He works it out with us. It's how he processes his thoughts. There's going to be times that you come in and ask him a question. He gives you a 15-minute answer. Please know... He doesn't care as much that you're taking it all in. He cares more that it's my opportunity to practice. And yes, I'm trying to get their, their facial recognition. I'm trying to see how engaged they are. I'm trying to see if they're going to laugh. I'm also trying to see if they have any questions. But yeah, I tend to practice on those that are closest to me. And it's my way of processing the thought, but it's also my way of getting used to the cadence and the pattern of the speech to figure out where do I take a break? Where do I pause? Where do I speed up? Where do I insert a joke? And I tend to do mine on other people. So you're telling me I get creative mowing the lawn, swimming laps, right. going on road trips. And you practice. I then practice on other humans. See, you're nicer than me. You already said that, right? You, you said that I love myself more than I love other people. You also said that um, I care about myself more, which is why I put other people in harm's way, which is my practice. You put the dining room table in harm's way when you practice. One day when I grow up, I'd be more like Steve. Well, two things. One, you said, oh, I, I look at his, how he's looking and what, the look on his face. When you're up there speaking, look at the face, but don't always negatively interpret the person who looks like they're a little bit bored when they're sitting in the audience. A lot of time people, their thinking face looks angry. Okay, so they're, they're like, oh, you're staring at me. No, I'm really trying to think what this is. So don't try and interpret it while they're sitting there. The other thing I do, because I do speak a lot, I try to entertain myself when I'm speaking. Yes. And so when I'm entertaining myself, so I, I just came up with a line. Last week, I tried it somewhere. I didn't even know I was going to try it. It just came, yep, out. came out. 
And it came out today because I was like, it got a good laugh last week and it got, it's getting a good laugh this week. So guess what? That's now part of the repertoire. So that then becomes part in the dining room table and where's that gonna go in it? Because I tried a line twice and we moved on. But you back to the whole thing with the comedians. That's what they do. You look at any comedian, what do they do? They go out and they practice, not practice, they try new stuff in front of different audiences over and over. They go, okay, here's a 10-minute set. That was maybe a good 30 seconds, and the other nine and a half minutes, that's out the door, and that's what we are. Yeah, no, I love it. What, um, as we go to wrap up, because I know you and I have to get to a uh, flip-flop beach party dude, with a bunch of uh, pale male and stale, which you and I fit in just, just fine there, uh, but we are at a mortgage banker's event, and I do look forward to these events because I do look forward to the people I'm going to meet, the conversation I'm going to have, and you never know where it's going to, that's going to lead you. What are some parting shots to the audience? Well, first and foremost, I want people to know how to get a hold of you. I want people to know how to find you. Um, but it could be uh, any tidbits, tips, advice to give as it pertains to becoming a better public speaker. It could just be just business life experience type advice that you wish was taught to you 30 years ago when you were getting started. When you're, when you're trying to become a better communicator, always remember, why are you telling this? Because there's something in it for them. I'm not telling this story for me. I'm do, telling you this information because it's important for you to know that. And this is what you should deal with it. So that, I think, is really quite critical is it's make it stop. I'm the speaker, but they're the important thing. Yeah, and that was really step one in the in the three C's, right? right? Was the communication, make it about them, not about you. Right. Second one was comfort. Third one was content. content. See, you forgot that. That's okay. Content. Well, it has to has to matter. We're, we're talking right it here. It has yeah. to matter. Well, right. Why, why are you saying it? If you don't have any good content to share, then you really have nothing that you want to talk about. And the other thing that I talk about quite often is make it a story. Don't make it a, a fact. Right? Oh, I'm this, you called me a SME earlier, the subject matter expert. Yeah, we all know what we know, but if you want to be a speaker, you're weaving those facts within your story to get your audience to where you're trying to take them. Yeah, so when I think of content, I think, how is this relevant to my audience? And then I jump to communication. How do I make it about them? So I need the content to be relevant. I need the communication to be all about them, but then I have to be comfortable with my delivery. Yes. And if I get comfortable with my delivery, that's a mindset. It's also something that with practice, I become more comfortable. Can I say one other thing? I know yes. we're coming up on time. You said to me, give me two things. And I, I did one. Mm -hmm. And I remember I had the second one and then I forgot what the second one was. My so fault. I sort of like, no. So I sort of just cut it off. That is the second thing. The audience does not know what you're supposed to talk about and they don't know what you're supposed to say. So if you forget something, it's okay because they have no idea that it's not like it's a speech and you're like, oh my gosh, they just did not say that line. They don't know what line you're supposed to say. So if you leave something out, you're like, oh my God, I, I failed. I didn't say that one thing. Who cares? Do you know they how, didn't know. Do you know how true that is in all aspects of business specifically? All aspects. Even if I was a heart surgeon. Think about this. If I was a heart surgeon, it's known that my surgery is supposed to start at this time, end at this time, and in the middle, I'm gonna fix X, Y, or Z. If it goes an hour longer, whether it's supposed to or not, doesn't matter. What matters is, did I fix X, Y, and Z? I shouldn't freak out when I go tell my patient's family it took an extra hour. I should be like, hey, look, it is what it is. It took an extra hour. A mortgage loan originator freaks out because title work wasn't ordered on day five, and it's supposed to be ordered on day five, and it's day nine. I'm like, when are you closing? 
oh, we're not closing for 30 more days, then does it matter? Because it doesn't matter to anyone else in the transaction, but to you, because you knew it was supposed to be ordered on day five, but day nine still works. Same thing works in public They speaking. didn't know what you were going to say. Yes. They say pilots, and I'll make up the number, but I've heard somewhere like 90 to 95% of pilot is off course. They're flying from here to here, but the wind's blowing them this way, so they're fighting back. And now the wind's that way. And so 95% of the time, they're actually off course. Not dramatically off course, but a little bit. Nobody knows. Yeah. You're yeah. going to be okay. I love it. Absolutely love it. So then I'm going to ask you for some career advice. You're talking to Steve 30 years ago. What's one piece of life advice, career advice that you would give to Steve 30 years ago? Maybe something that wasn't taught to you by your parents. You didn't pick it up on the 20 years you spent in college getting all the fancy degrees that you were able to obtain. What's something today, if you're talking to you 30 years ago, that, that you would share? Well, I say God bless for the younger generation right now because I'm so tired of old people like you and me, this younger generation. They don't want to work hard. They want to make a difference. They want to feel, they want to like their job. They want work-life balance. Amen, hallelujah. We've been preaching that since the beginning of time, and we didn't know how to find it. And now that generation is sitting there saying, hey, this is how you have work-life balance. Hey, this is what's truly important to me. I want a job where I actually feel like I'm making a difference. Good for you. So that's what I say. Stop worrying about the money. Do something that you're going to enjoy. You don't have to make 10 gazillion dollars. Get yourself. Know your own personal definition of success. Stop listening to somebody else's definition of success. And it's not one thing. Success is not making a million dollars. I have multiple levels of what success is. How much time am I spending away from home? What is my relationship with my family? Where is my health? Right? I have levels of success, not just about how much, what's my salary? How much am I making? And to me, 30 years ago, I would say, Define what your success is on multiple levels, not just career and money, and it's going to take you so much further. I love that. And then finally, how do people get a hold of you? How do people find you? SteveRichman.com, baby. That easy. R-I-C-H-M-A-N. We all need a goal. We just talked about success. Richman. Steve. I'm not from Virginia. SteveRichman.com. That's where I am. My phone number's on there. My email's on there. Hook me up, Steve, at steverichman.com is my email. That's awesome. Well, he's Steve Richmond. I'm Dustin Owen. You just tuned in to another episode of the Lone Officer Podcast. That is all the time we have for you today. We look forward to catching you in the next episode. <laughs>